Welcome to the Singapore Management University podcast series, where we feature the latest insights and perspectives from our faculty. Finance and financial markets is one of SMU's identified areas of excellence, or AOE, to project the university's distinctive academic leadership in these fields. The Finance and Financial Markets AOE creates value for a diverse range of stakeholders through integrating multidisciplinary research, teaching and knowledge transfer, and outreach and collaboration. Associate Professor Jeremy Goh of SMU's Lee Kong Chien School of Business is a well-published finance academic and has written numerous articles in international research publications, including prestigious journals such as the Journal of Finance, Journal of Business, and Financial Analysts Journal. In this podcast, Professor Go shares his research in corporate finance and corporate governance, as well as his involvement in equipping young adults with essential personal finance knowledge and skills. Professor, could you share with us the specific areas of corporate finance and corporate governance in which you are conducting research? Well, the area of uh, finance that I research in is mainly in the area of bond rating, and these are the rating agencies like Standard & Poor's, Moody's, Fitch, they go out and rate companies' corporate bond to look at their credit worthiness, whether or not they are rated investment grade or they are rated speculative grade. And ratings like this does matter to uh, the investors and also uh, market uh, practitioners because in some sense these are uh, ratings measures the uh, probability of default. And as we know, you know, default is something that investors and uh, market participants think about when they are evaluating a company. And the other area is the area of corporate governance. And here I looked at uh, many of the uh, things that are put in place that mitigate possible negative impact on efficiency. And it all started because of the separation of uh, ownership and uh, management. When you have the separation, especially when uh, the owner of the company doesn't run the company, then you may run into an issue where you know, the, uh, the funds that are raised are misused or you have fraudulent activities. So mechanisms and controls are put in place to mitigate all of this problem. How would these areas of research benefit businesses? Uh, bond rating is all about information. Uh, if you think about the area of corporate finance, corporate governance, is all about information economics. And investors out there, decision makers, need information. So bond rating, in some sense, bring a new information to the market. So they are relying on rating agencies, the analysts, to study a firm and summarize all of their findings in their ratings, whether it's triple A, double A, single A. And this information are being digested by investors and also market participants to make help them make better decisions about, about the company that they are looking at. And also, for governance, right, we all invest in company, and we basically go and buy a company share. And our investment goes into the company, and we are not sure how the money is used, and uh, whether or not the, the firm will seek project that will uh, give the investors a high return. Tell us what, in your opinion, are the major challenges facing the financial sector in Singapore and the region? Well, one of the uh, biggest challenges, uh, I guess, in a uh, market that is not as established as the Western market like UK and the US is the idea about uh, investors' confidence. You know, for a market to be functioning, you have to have investors that are confident about the firms that they are investing in. And the confidence is 
uh, built up over years and years and years uh, with a lot of mechanism put in place to build this trust between the yeah. uh, investors who put up the money and the manager who's using the money to find projects to earn a tidy profit for uh, for the investors. And uh, as a result of uh, this concern, I guess you know in this region, you know what ones need to do is to really beef up the confidence and come up with things like what we are doing here, building some kind of a measure to measure uh, companies' practices. And also, hopefully, you have more information companies out there to uh, summarize and, and provide more information to the uh, investment area. You developed the Singapore Corporate Governance Index, which was launched in 2009. What are the key issues of corporate governance and the purpose of developing the index? Well, the whole idea of this corporate governance index is to come up with some kind of a measure to measure uh, practices by a firm that are listed in DSGX. And governance are important because you know you have a separation. The owners don't run the company. So you need to understand what type of uh, processes and mechanisms are put in place to protect the investors. So this index was developed according to the OECD framework to really look at best practices out there and to measure company and to see whether or not companies measures up. And this index also helps people understand the companies that have all these processes put in place versus some that are, are not quite there yet. The corporate governance uh, indices are not new, but as far as in Singapore uh, is concerned, uh, this is uh, the first index that's based on the OECD uh, principle. And this is a worldwide principle uh, that put forth what constitute uh, good governance and uh, it covers five categories. Uh, it is split up into a category on uh, the rights of shareholders, the equitable treatment of shareholders, board responsibility, uh, transparency and disclosure, and also their, how they deal with their st- other stakeholders. So things like CSR and all this stuff comes into uh, that category. And this index is really a, uh, an attempt to measure uh, how well the company is doing in the corporate governance front. Professor, could you share with us your views on gender parity in the boards of directors of companies in Singapore? I've been asked this question before, and my view is the following. Gender diversity is important. Uh, as, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, there are other type of diversity. We want diversity among experiences, we want diversity in the areas, and uh, also gender diversity. Because you think about the board, the board basically represents the shareholders. Uh, and shareholders' interests. And you really want a diverse representation, not just a very homogeneous group. So the bigger the diversity, uh, I, I think the, uh, the better uh, the performance of the board, uh, if you were to ask me. And I guess you know, it may be just historical that uh, the board tends to be uh, dominated by, by men rather than uh, women. So having some women on the board may not be a bad thing because you know, they bring a different perspective about the business and how things are done. And uh, like, like anything else, diversity is always a good thing. Professor, you are the Programme Director of the City SMU Financial Literacy Programme for Young Adults. Could you tell us more about this programme? Oh, this is one of my pet projects uh, because financial literacy is a very important topic. As the old saying goes, you know, if you, uh, if you don't plan, then plan to fail. You know, people worry about their health. You know, people uh, start living more uh, healthy lifestyle, and they plan. Uh, they make plans about eating well, sleeping well, and all that. But you know, all these things are important. So is financial health. Yeah. So one of the the issue you know, is that 
one does not pay any attention to financial plan. You know, they spend beyond their means. They make a dollar, they spend a dollar and ten cents. And these days, with the advent of credit card, you know, people can smooth out their consumption, they can borrow on their future income, and if they don't plan and they don't invest, and I guess they'll be running into trouble when reaching a retirement age. So here, we specifically focus on the young adult. Because if you think about planning for retirement, you need a long horizon. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing that, that you know, if you have 30 years to plan, it is a lot easier than you know, when you're 55 and you're planning to retire at 60. Then you're asking for trouble big time. Because at 17 and 30, you, know, you, have, you can invest uh, in the market, um, not just the bond market, but mainly in the equity market. And if we know that long-term inflation is around 3% uh, on average, then you know, uh, putting your money under the mattress is not going to do anything for you. So you need to stay invested in the market. Yeah, the stock market goes up, the stock market goes down. People say that, oh, you have to have a strong stomach to uh, stomach the, uh, the ups and downs in the market. But if you look at the chart, if you look at the S&P 500 or any of the major indices, over 30 years, there's only one way, and it's up. So if you have 30 years to plan, stay invested in the uh, equity market because you, know, you enjoy a return that is, I guess, within the range of uh, 8 to 10%. But if you just put your money in any uh, very, very secure securities, um, uh, you're looking at uh, 3% to 4%. So 3% will just cover inflation and, and not grow your wealth. So uh, that's one reason why we are targeting this, uh, this age group, uh, 17 to uh, 30 years old. What are the achievements of the program so far and the plans going forward? Oh, this is a very unique program because this, this program is really a, a train-the-trainer program. And this idea is all about how to reach out uh, to the masses. And especially since we targeted the 17 to 30 years old, and since we are at the university, one of our biggest resource is really our student. So what we did, it is a train-the-trainer program, and I've said this many times, you know, that if I were to talk to a 17-year-old and tell them about financial literacy, tell them about planning for their future, telling them about saving for the future, they will not listen to a grey-haired person. It's, it's easier for them to talk to their peers. So in this sense, our student become our ambassador. Well, this year, we, uh, what we have plans are a couple of things. You know, we have the, uh, the Financial Literacy Symposium, uh, where we will bring experts in the field to share best practices you know, that uh, we can learn and implement in, uh, in Singapore. And we are also having a Financial Literacy Awareness Day where we're going to reach out to people, students, and we are also doing the, the same campaign uh, like we did last year at, at the ITE. This year, we're going to reach out to even more than what we did last year. So we are planning to reach out to more than 3,000 uh, students uh, and participants, and hopefully, you know, the program gains momentum, you know, we will just reach out more and more. One of the benefits, you know, of this program that uh, came to me as a surprise is really how it benefited our students. So, I mean, this is not just the uh, beneficiary, which are the, the participants who, who learn a thing or two about how to plan uh, for retirement, how to plan, have a good financial plan, but our students, you know, the exposure that they get, you know, the uh, uh, reaching out and talking to people and be more aware of uh, you know, uh, other people uh, in the same age group. Thank you, Professor. Thank you.